the thing that I want to scream from the rooftops in the airport is that you don't need a snack. You don't need to have all these things prepared for that flight. I get that some people do that and they're healthy options. Maybe it's jerky, maybe it's a hard boiled egg, maybe it's some olives. Great. I am not discouraging healthy snacking. At the same time, maybe you're like me where the healthy snacking got out of control. I was still eating too much and too often. And once I kind of realized that and reined that in and realized that I don't need a drive through coffee, a drive through breakfast sandwich, snacks on the plane, snacks at the airport. Once I let go of the anxiety around that, there you find bold freedom. You realize that you can function so well without all of that. So challenge yourself. When you go to the airport next time, don't buy one thing. When you go on that airplane next time, don't take one snack. And then let me know how much better you feel. And it'll take you a while if you've always done that, if you've always had all the snacks prepared, done the drive-through, the breakfast sandwich. It'll take you a while to break that habit, but gosh dang it, you will be so, so glad you did. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. You guys, happy February. We made it. How did January go? Did any of you join me on my January health commitments? And what did you think? Well, to be honest, you guys, I actually had really good results. And I was trying to think like out of all the health commitments I made in January, like what what were the things that really I think were the difference makers? And for me, I do think it was my drive-through coffee, really reining that in. No flat white every other day, but in your eating window. And also, I think it was just the reduction of alcohol. You know, in December, as I mentioned in the last few episodes, I feel like there's just so many excuses to be festive. And with festivity, sometimes comes alcohol. Now, does it have to? No. And bravo to any and all of you who choose not to imbibe but still be festive. Just telling my story and my experience. The other interesting thing was last month I did lift weights and many of you know that I'm very much a proponent of, yes, I love cardio and I think cardio has a role for sure. But for me and my body and my body composition, weights give me a huge bang for my buck. You know, I'm a busy mom with my job and the kids and activities. And for me, lifting weights, and it doesn't mean you have to have barbells. You can use hand weights and kettlebells and TRX medicine balls. Those things have really made it where I can do less working out but get better results. Because I even remember back in you know, in college, I was running a lot. Now it worked. It kept me thinner, even though I definitely had times of the freshman 15 or a little bit, (laughs) maybe a little bit more than that, but it definitely helped. But my body composition wasn't what it is now. I like having a little bit of muscle tone and lifting weights does that for me. And for me, I, I really challenge this whole, it makes you bulky. I think it makes you bulky if you're not combining it with the right type of eating and right lifestyle. Sure, it can, I guess, if you aren't losing body fat in conjunction with building muscle. If you're just building muscle but maintaining your same body fat, yeah, well, I guess you could look a little bit bulkier. But 
I think combining it with time-restricted eating or fasting, if you want to call it, a higher protein or protein-forward approach, I think there's a lot to be said for it. In January, I really didn't lose weight throughout the month very much. Like I lost a little bit, but it was like the first week in February or the last few days in January, I saw an immediate bloat reduction. I felt less bloated all month. I was feeling so much better. I was, but really, it finally showed up on the scale like the end of the month. And I just want to encourage you that if you're doing those January health commitments, keep going, keep doing them. They may not always show up on your measurements or in photos or on the scale right away, but those things work. Those things work. Time-restricted eating works. Less snacking works. Less alcohol works. More protein works. More weights works. I'm telling you, and this is coming from someone who is far, far from perfect. I still can't resist Cheez-Its if my kids have them in the house. Like I figured out that I don't have a weakness for ice cream, but you have Cheez-Its in the house, I will steal them. I will find them and I definitely cannot just have one. (laughs) What was the potato, the Lay's potato chips? You can't just eat one. Well, I definitely can't just eat one Cheez-Its. In fact, maybe I could eat more than one bag if they're around. I digress. Well, bottom line, I just really hope that you made some commitments that were doable not over the top. You're not beating yourself up if you set too high a goals and you fell short because at the end of the day, even if you did a little bit less than your commitment or your goal setting said you wanted to do, you guys, I guarantee that's more than if you wouldn't have set that goal. I mean, think about it. Like there are days when I will set out and I'll say, hey, I'm going to do a mealist day today. And I go through the day and I go, you know what? Today isn't the day. But guess what? I don't open my eating window till like three o'clock. That to me is a win, right? Because normally if I wouldn't have set the goal of a mealist day, I probably would have opened much earlier than that. Or I may have snacked more. Or I might have not been as disciplined. But by setting that goal and then listening to my body and listening to what I think works best, I still achieve something pretty great. So don't be afraid to set goals. Yes, you want to set some aggressive ones, some achievable ones, and you want to get to know yourself throughout the process. Another thing I want to highlight is that a lot of times I talk about a mealless Monday because it's a great reset day. It tends to be a very busy day. It's an easier day to fast. That being said, if you feel like you overindulged over the weekend, Monday may not be your best day because it may feel harder. It may feel like you're white knuckling through the day. Figure out what works best for you. Sometimes my best day can also be like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I've reset. I'm feeling better. Maybe I moved my body a little bit more Monday, and therefore I can kind of hit the ground running into a longer fast on one of those days. For those of you that are newer listeners, just to let you know, I don't fast or do a mealist day every week. Again, it's a tool in my tool belt. And what I want for each one of you is I want you to have as many tools in your tool belt as possible, tools that don't cost anything, tools that are practical and real, tools that are not selfishly motivated because someone wants to sell you something. These tools I want you to have because guess what? I didn't have them my whole life. And I'm arguably as busy now as I ever was. I have the potential for as much stress in my life as I ever have. And yet, 
I finally have found tools that work. And I know it sounds probably a little bit egotistical, but I can't tell you now how many times people ask me if I've really had six children. They can't believe it. And not because I look like Cindy Crawford in a swimsuit. No, like the farthest thing from it. But I think you can tell that my energy, my body composition, and my health is good. You know, I think a great way to measure that is medications. Are you on a ton of medications? Now, some things are required medications, right? Do you have seizures? Do you have some autoimmune situation that you're dealing with? I am not here to criticize you being on medication for that. But what I am going to say, and it might not be overly popular, is that we have become so comfortable with being on multiple medications and our health is getting worse and worse and worse. I am of the approach that Western medicine and medication can play a role. And there will probably be many times in my life where I will be so grateful for those tools. And yet what I don't want to see is that we become so numb to think that relying on multiple medications is helping us. Because there is a cause and effect to all things. Sure, it may give you this, but what is the consequence of that? And as long as you've weighed that and the benefit outweighs the risk, then good for you. Then that is the best choice. You know, we're always doing a benefit versus risk analysis, but I feel like the pendulum has swung pretty far in that direction. So that being said, I feel really great that I'm 41 years old. My energy is good. My health is good. My labs are good. I'm probably in some of the best shape of my adult life. And it's not by buying some magic elixir or taking some prescription from the doctor or buying some special powder. It's all tools from things that I have learned here on Big Bold Life Podcast. And that's why I want to share them. Because if someone as imperfect as me, you know, hint, hint, cheese it girl over here, (laughs) can make it work, you know what? You can too. I really, really believe that. So needless to say, I hope each one of you had a wonderful January. And now we are full, full speed ahead into February. The topic for today that I wanted to talk about is travel and not just like tips when I travel, but tips before I travel, when I travel and after I travel in terms of health choices that I make. But I have to tell you before I get started about one of my little uh, travel excursions. So many, many years ago, I was going on a trip to Washington, D.C. No kids. I was going with a girlfriend. We had both won an award and ability to go to this conference, and we were so excited to go. And I show up to the airport. <laughs> I show up to the airport, and I call my girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, I'm I'm early. This is great. We have so much time together. And she's like, wow, bet you're early, because I am definitely the person that does not want to be at the airport any longer than I have to be. So for all of you that are super type A early airporters, I would stress you out. I would completely stress you out. But you know, there's two types in this world. There's the early airporters. There are those of us that are getting there by the skin of our our teeth, right? So I go to get out of the car 
And I realized, you guys, that I left my suitcase, my big suitcase with all my business attire for the week, everything I needed on my front porch because I lived in this condo building that didn't have an elevator and it had multiple stairs to get up to your car. So in my mind, I was like, oh, it, you know, it'll be great. I'll pull this up front and I'll just pull the car up front. I'll put my, you know, flashers on and I'll just pick up my suitcase. Well, I was so excited <laughs> to get to Washington, D.C. that I left my suitcase. So I check flights to Washington, D.C. that day, and there are no more flights that day. So I would have to fly the next day, which then I would have to tell my boss why I missed my flight and I would miss some of the opening ceremonies. So I'm like, crap. So I literally turn around and I, sorry if there's any police officers or safety police on this call right now, but I drove like a bat out of hell. I, I don't know if I've ever driven that fast in my life. And thank you to my guardian angel. It was seriously ridiculous. Like I was driving way too fast. I went back and my suitcase was still there. And I lived on a very busy street. Someone should have grabbed this suitcase, right? Like they should have just picked it. It was just there by itself, right? Then... I make the flight. I turn around. Needless to say, for those of you in the Northwest, I lived in Tacoma. The airport is in SeaTac with no traffic. Maybe it's a 35-minute drive. Maybe. How I made my flight to this day, I don't know. How I survived that drive, I still don't know. How I didn't get a ticket, I still don't know. But I made my flight. And I might have been the sweatiest person on that airplane, but you know, again, I made my flight. So that was my little. <laughs> so if you ever think you're doing something dumb today, just remember, well, Beth's got you beat. I've got you beat. Anyways, there are a few things that I like to do pre-travel, during travel, and post-travel that I think really help me. And today I just want to hit on a few of those and hopefully they help you like they've helped me. Obviously, when you travel, you want to, you know, feel your best. You want to look your best in clothes. So the week before the trip, I try to really keep myself busy. I try to pack in advance. I try to really think through all the things I might need. I try to try on the outfits, especially because a lot of my travel is for work. And I want to make sure that my outfits fit in a way that are comfortable for me, practical, but also I want to look nice. Sorry, like is cute an okay word? I want to look cute. I want to look nice and presentable. And there's different types of outfits for different types of business trips, right? And travel. So that really helps me not snack as much the week before. I also try to really reduce alcohol before I go on a trip. I want to feel not bloated. I want to feel hydrated, all the things. The other thing is I really try to focus on one meal a day and maybe another half to one meal. So yes, you'd say, well, Beth, then that's not one meal. That's one and a half or two. But similar to where I said my goal, my goal is a meal day and then I end up opening around three sometimes or later. In this instance, I think where I'm going with this is my goal is kind of a, a one meal that is a very protein forward, but still has carbs. And I've kind of figured out that the meal for me that checks the most boxes is tuna fish, a tuna fish open face sandwich. And I know that sounds not exciting, but I do two cans of tuna fish. Yes, I use mayonnaise. I use an avocado mayonnaise, which I highly recommend. It's much healthier for you than the seed oil mayonnaise. I put mustard, salt and pepper, 
and I add an onion on top of my open face sandwich. And then I also may eat a little additional tuna outside of that. If I have worked out really hard that week, maybe it's not an open face sandwich. Maybe it's a closed face tuna sandwich. My girls were like, what's an open face sandwich? And I'm like, well, isn't that pretty obvious? That's one slice of bread with tuna on top and no bread on the top of it. And they're like, oh, okay. So for any of you that don't call it an open face sandwich, I I, I think that's pretty common knowledge, but sometimes I live in my own universe and make up things. So... I don't think that's one of them though. So that meal for me, that hits so many, like checks so many boxes for me. Protein, good fats, and I love it. Now maybe that day, like I said, maybe I make it two slices of bread and the tuna fish. Maybe I that day I just have lots of extra tuna fish. Maybe I have a half an avocado with it with some everything bagel seasoning. I just kind of listen to my body. Maybe that day I do have just that. Maybe sometimes I have dinner with my family too. But I will tell you, if you can find that one main meal that kind of does it for you, like checks that box, and I would encourage you that it be protein forward. And protein forward to me does not mean you eat keto. It does not mean you eat essentially low carb. It's just this thought process. And I think of every, especially every female but I know I have many male listeners, but if we could all reorient our thinking to being protein forward and then have some good fats, I think it's life-changing. It's so satisfying. It's so good for you, nutrient-dense. And for me, it just works. So the whole week before I went on this trip, I know I had other lunches, but I think that was like the main thing I ate all week. And it really did it for me. I just loved it. So if you have something like that, great. If you haven't found that, I encourage you to find it. And please don't make it be a small little salad with no protein and a sugar-filled dressing. I know many of us were brainwashed to think that that's super healthy and super good for us. But if you're just eating a salad with a sugar-filled dressing and you have no protein there, you're really not nourishing your body and you're not gaining the satiety that you deserve. And it goes back to what is going to fuel your body best so you can feel your best. And then last but not least, I tried to lift consistently before I left or work out consistently before I left. Now, all of those, you might just say, Beth, those are so obvious. But if they are so obvious and they work, why don't more people do them? I don't know. Then when I actually fly, I focus on not snacking on the airplane, ordering club sodas, ordering waters, ordering coffee. Now, every once in a while, will I have a glass of wine on the plane? Sure will. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I kind of play it by ear in terms of the trip. If it's a work trip, I probably don't. If it's a trip that we're going to Hawaii, maybe I do. Maybe I have a couple glasses of wine. So obviously, This isn't a black and white approach, but I would say in general, on the plane, if I take the snacks, I bring them home to the kids, I don't eat any of them, and I have club soda, water, or coffee. Pretty simple. Sometimes I ask for a hot water too because I'm just like, you know, liking all the beverages. And that's kind of the joke within the fasting community is that (laughs) if you take a picture of our desks or at home, we have like all the cups, right? We've got our coffee cup, our hot water cup, our sparkling water cup, oh, the tea cup right? We've got it all. So that is kind of that day while I'm traveling, I try to really not eat much. And if I do eat something, I do like very protein forward and pretty strict and pretty light. Once I get to my trip, I try to kind of not worry about it. 
But if I really reflect on my travels, when I'm eating, I don't try to snack all day. I may allow myself to have a protein-forward breakfast, but I may try to go until dinner to eat anything else. I really try to not graze all day, and I feel so, so much better. The funny thing is, is that, you know, I will eat a big steak. I'll eat a lot at times, but I don't eat often. I really, again, you don't have to agree with fasting, but I do think there is so much power in a time-restricted eating component. What I think it does for you is that it makes it where you can indulge a little bit more on your travel and still come back home and you don't feel like crap. Sorry, you just don't. You feel so much better. Now, when I come home, the biggest thing I notice is that I'm tired after traveling. Whether it's personal work, it just doesn't matter. I'm tired. It took a lot of work to get there, right? And the only time I'm not is if I went on a true vacation. And I'm not trying to be rude. When you travel with children, that's a trip. That's not a vacation because it's a lot of work. You have to be on. You have to pack so much stuff. The chance of you really, really resting and relaxing are pretty rare, right? So it's pretty normal for me that I like to fly home on a personal trip on a Saturday so I at least have that time to rest and recoup before a Monday. But in my ideal world, I'd even fly home on a Friday, have the whole weekend to kind of reset and rest, you know, reset and rest. But from a work travel perspective, I definitely come back tired because it's kind of the ramp up of being gone, being on while you're there. You still have your day job to do while you're work traveling. And then when you get back, you know, your family and your other responsibilities are there and you are ready and waiting for them. But it's a lot, right? So I would just say that my focus when I get back isn't going on a long run, getting to the gym, or eating a specific way. It's really trying to rest up, relax, and reset. And then kind of a few days later, I get back into my routine. So it's kind of rest, relax, reset, routine. I'm going to say it again. Rest, relax, reset, routine. So for example, I returned from some travels on Friday. My first gym day was today. Today is a Tuesday. That worked so well for me. And I felt great working out today. And yet I don't think I would have felt great Saturday. I kind of needed to rest and relax, reset. And now it's routine time. I know some of these seem very obvious, But for me, like it's a really nice formula for an on-the-go person. Lastly, I think hydration is talked about so much that I don't tend to talk about it too much on this podcast. To me, it sounds obvious, but obviously I talked about the liquids I do on the plane. I talked about hydrating the week prior. Obviously, when I'm resting, relaxing, resetting, and going into my routine, I also am looking at hydrating during that time. Don't forget that after traveling, you're probably a little dehydrated and your body does maybe need some extra fluids. The funny thing about that though is that I am not the best water drinker. I really have to force myself. So my newest tool is keeping my little cup with a straw in my car, in my office, and by my bed. I have three different ones, and that really seems to help me, but I still could improve there. So maybe traveling is a part of your life on a regular basis. Maybe it's not. No matter what, these simple tools I think can be really helpful for the week before, during your travel, and the time after. 
I believe they can really help you feel your best. And for me, someone who is on the go, who leads a very busy, active life, they're the tools that help me kind of keep going and do it with a smile and high energy. And they are the tools that help me imperfectly juggle the many things in my life. And I believe confidently that they are tools that can imperfectly help your juggle too. So next time you travel, try my little simple formula for what works for me and let me know how it goes. Let me know how you feel. The thing that I want to scream from the rooftops in the airport is that you don't need a snack. You don't need to have all these things prepared for that flight. I get that some people do that and they're healthy options. Maybe it's jerky, maybe it's a hard-boiled egg, maybe it's some olives. Great, I am not discouraging healthy snacking. At the same time, maybe you're like me, where the healthy snacking got out of control. I was still eating too much and too often. And once I kind of realized that and reined that in and realized that I don't need a drive-through coffee, a drive-through breakfast sandwich, snacks on the plane, snacks at the airport, once I let go of the anxiety around that, there you find bold freedom. You realize that you can function so well without all of that. But you have to believe me. So challenge yourself. When you go to the airport next time, don't buy one thing. When you go on that airplane next time, don't take one snack. And then let me know how much better you feel. And it'll take you a while if you've always done that, if you've always had all the snacks prepared, done the drive through the breakfast sandwich. It'll take you a while to break that habit, but gosh dang it, you will be so, so glad you did. So my friends, thank you for joining me today. I'd like you all to know that since I left my suitcase I don't know, was it 20 years ago? I haven't done it again. <laughs> and I hopefully have learned my lesson. Unfortunately, I still check a bag most of the time. I haven't learned that lesson. So I'm glad I could give you guys all suitcase anxiety by sharing that story. Here's to living boldly in everything that we do. See you next time, my friends. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you. You.